podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, we started recording. Okay, Woo! welcome to Drinking Authors. Um, another couple of conditions. We're doing this via Skype. Any um, audio things? Too bad. Get over it. Um, so, <laughs> I'm your host, Erica Lance, and with me today is Vanessa Valiente. And we have an amazing guest today. It's Kenya Wright. Okay, let's talk about what we're all drinking because I decided to um, mix some vodka and, and tonic water, and I probably should have put a lemon or something in it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna call it COVID roughing it with my vodka and tonic. I'm cool. Okay, what do you got, Vanessa? I got like a uh, peach honey sparkling water mixed with some good old vodka. So yes, we pepping your step. We hit the vodka pretty hard today. Okay, what are you drinking? <laughs> yeah. I'm calling it a quarantini and chill. Oh, quarantini and chill right here. And so let me, I wrote this down because this is the first time I usually I just pour rum into a glass and just keep it moving, right? But I was like, no, I'm going to do something special. Yeah. So I did ginger kombucha, a little bit of vermouth, vermouth, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Vermouth, and then um, a bunch of rum because it's that type of week. And then a little <laughs> lemon peel twist. It's a crazy week. Oh my goodness! <laughs> this week has had some some ups and some horrible downs. Some horrible downs the last couple Red of days. Peace, Black Panther. Rest in peace. I, oh, oh, don't even get me don't, started. We'll start crying. We're again. not talking about it. We're more. <laughs> We're drinking and having fun. Yeah. So we gotta go back to writing because we'll cry if we talk about <laughs> yeah. this. Yes. Well, yes. So, okay. Um, for our audience members who have never had the honor of meeting you, will you talk a little bit about what you write? Of course. Of course. I have 50 novels. Um, oh I, yeah. I've been working. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 50 novels. Um, I'd say the KW ingredients for a novel is for, for my KW novels, it's like suspense, really hot, steamy romance. I like death. I like some a dead body or at least some <laughs> oh shooting, you know, something like that. <laughs> um, I also recently have been doing, uh, making the novels illustrated because I'm really into visual stuff. So I've had my artists, you know, maybe the past two years, my artist will put in about 15 to 20 images. So it'll be either of a romantic scene or an action scene or a very hot, you know, sexy mm-hmm. erotic scene. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We were looking at your catalog. First of all, your covers are amazing. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, we were like, doing them is on point and there's consistency. It's amazing. And I, and you can tell right away when you look at them, what your brand is like, what right. You're all about, and I love it. So you get mad props from us because if you've listened to us, you've heard us talk about like some of the things that authors do that we're like, um, <laughs> um you probably have a, let's talk about 
<laughs> oh my god, a, a book cover is so important. It could change that royalty month to like three figures to five figures. Yeah. If it's done correctly, you know. But it took me years to learn that. Well, <laughs> you've got it nailed now. Your books look uh, they're beautiful. They're absolutely pieces of artwork. You've got that. Awesome. So Let's talk about 50 books. First of all, we're both jealous on this side. That's, oh. that's what we're going to say about that. We're jealous. But um, when did you start? When did you start writing? 2010, I started writing novels, and it was paranormal romance. Um, the first book was called Fire Baptized. It was about a pyromancer. Remember during that time of the 2010, it was like, oh, those, the good old years. It, it was like... <laughs> Twilight was big and True Blood was out and it was a very paranormal time, right? So in Harry Potter, of course. So I wanted to write, you know, paranormal romance. So I started writing and I really loved it. Um, I kept writing for about two or three years, about two to three years. And then like that third year of me writing and working and going to law school and being pregnant with kids, right? Hold on, that's like 12 things you just Yeah, it's like <laughs> law school, like I quit law school the third year. It was the last semester. I said, I just want to write, right? But like, wow. and I'm working Department of Labor and all that. But the third year of me writing, my husband, who's now my ex-husband, leaves me and my three kids. Oh, what? my goodness. So he's just like, well, he didn't leave. He said, I would like to invite other women into the marriage. And I was like... No. I would like to invite you to leave this. <laughs> That's what I'd like to invite you to do. 15 years. 15 oh, years of marriage. It's like, now we're just going to have sister wives. I'm not a sister wife type of person. <laughs> if you want to potentially send me his name in the mail, use a stamp, we can help resolve that situation. <laughs> I can find a dark alley. I'm really good at that. <laughs> so I write over research. This is all in Florida too, because y'all are in Florida now, right? Yeah, yeah. We're in yeah. the Tampa Bay area. We were in Sarasota when we got married, and then we went down to Miami and, and lived there for like years and stuff. So I went to UM Law down there. Oh wow. So, but he leaves, and I'm just like everything just devastated. And the only thing that was making me happy was writing. So I'm like, you know what? If I was just writing more books, I would be a millionaire because, yeah. So I quit my job because all I got to do is write another book, right? And I'm going to be a millionaire. So years of poverty after that. <laughs> Struggling. Struggling. But it all paid off. I'm so blessed. You know, full-time author. And life is really good. That is awesome. Awesome. That's a dream. Um, oh, wait. I did want to ask this, Vodka. Um, did you want to talk about your giveaway real quick as we're going into this? What did you want to do? Yes. We totally forget what we're talking about. It's all good. I haven't drunk since, like, June, so who knows what I'm going to say today. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, I'm always giving away stuff. Um, I love your podcast. I wanted to make sure um, my readers and anyone else came on and checked out the entire podcast, listened through. So I'm giving away to anybody, though, who listens to the podcast, your listeners, my listeners, new people. 
Um, I'm going to say three uh, mystery secret codes, words. Uh, the first one is love. love. Love is the first one, L-O-V-E. When I post it, um, I guess, is there a way to just put my email address or something? Oh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll, put a, we'll put a link to you on there and everything so they can reach out to you. Yes. And they can send me the three code words, um, you know, anytime next week. I think it, it's going to end, like, on, we'll, we'll have the set date because, it, it, you know, it, it records at different times. But um, if they can send me the three codes, then I'm going to do a random pick from the... Uh, the people who have all of the code words. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I think we should throw an extra special thing in here is that if you go on and you sign up for your newsletter, they can get two names in the drawing. Let's do that. I like that. If they sign up for that newsletter, they get two chances at that drawing. Whoa. And what I will be giving away is a, um, it's a whole martini set, so it comes. It's like a mini bar. It comes with like the stand. It comes with the glasses. It comes with the shaker, the twister. It's like a bunch of stuff that comes with the uh, martini thing. And so it's a really nice set. I was actually gonna buy it for myself. That's <laughs> when <laughs> you know it's a good prize when you're like, um, do I need? I don't need that, but I'd like to buy that. So it's my shelf. I like it. I'm gonna have one. <laughs> Uh, yes, first mystery code word is love. Yeah. One will come in the second half of the podcast, and the third one will come in the literary briefs when they're not wearing underwear. Thank you. Yay! Okay. So I'm making a note so I don't forget that. Yeah, no, I, I, oh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I remember it. It's okay. Our <laughs> listeners will be like, what are the other words? <laughs> Um, okay. So you started writing. So you and basically 10 years have done 50 books. That's like five books a year at least. Like the first time I published 2010, but it took me a year, maybe a year and a half to even write that book. I think y'all know how that first book or two, it's just like, uh, uh." and I think it was like a thousand pages. But then when I published it, it was like 220 pages. <laughs> it was just a bunch of, and they did this, and they did that. And and, and let's talk about this tree and, and the building. And, you know, nothing that had to do with the plot line. You're figuring out how to freaking write. Um, I started getting faster and faster. But um, really what made me super fast is not being able to buy food. for <laughs> Like the struggle. That was like the motivation. It was like, okay, I got to get these books out. Got to get these books out, you know. But, um, yeah, 50 novels. I'm pretty blown away by it. I've been trying to battle with Nora Roberts, but I've given up. I mean, where's she at now? 140, 150? Yeah, Ghostwriter. What? Oh, Did I just say that? That was weird. I must have a bird in my house. Just said that. What? What? No, sorry. Yeah, so she's James Patterson. Okay, okay, we're not going to go there. But yeah, okay. So then now I don't got to, okay, good. I don't have to try and catch up with her then. No, do not try to catch up with her because I, yeah, yeah. I, but at the rate you're going, and you're going to surpass her here soon because. But you know, like, and when I'm, again, bringing her up, she would do more than 12 books. Like me even getting, I think 10 books in a year was my most. And that was like horrific, like gained weight, hands hurt, 
didn't know what was going like I was getting spoiled for Game of Thrones because I had not looked at TV. Like so to me, seven novels is where I try to be now. But that 10 novel stuff, everybody can have that. I, until I get a butler and a cook and all types of extra <laughs> stuff, I'm not doing 10 novels a, a year. That's crazy. That's still, what you're doing is still impressive. So you went to law school. So let, let's go back in time. Let's peel this back a little bit. So when you were growing up, did you like to write? That's what I loved about all your different podcasts. Because um, I, I listened to... I, Michelle Prince, uh, I think it was Connie Winter. I wrote them down. Um, a bunch of them. But anyway, everybody wrote poetry. Yes. And I loved writing poetry. And I always struggled with what I was going to do. So in high school, I was going to be a rapper for sure, right? Ooh, Super. Okay. Of course, you know. I was called uh, Chocolate Tie. <laughs> And I was a horrible rapper, by the way. Oh. <laughs> I was a really bad rapper. But I wrote rap, I wrote poetry, then I would write little short stories, and then I kind of gave it up. I was like, uh-uh. I, I knew that I would never write a novel because it was too long, and I didn't want to do all of that. And then, too much effort. We're going to put that on hold. <laughs> But so it wasn't until law school where you got to write so freaking much. Law school teach you, besides arguing and kind of getting over on the law, like looking at the law and saying, okay, how can I get over? Then it also teaches you a lot about writing. And when I got back into writing, for, I started um, reading a lot of paranormal romance, like Kate Daniels. Uh, God, I can't think of all of the different, my, my urban fantasy chicks that I love. But I started reading a lot of them, and I was like, where the hell is the black female? I want oh, a black oh, girl yes. half naked on the cover with a tattoo, a tramp stamp. Like, where is she at? <laughs> I ended up writing that. That's how I ended up even getting into writing. You know what? That's the best kind of way because, it'll, it, like, if, you, if there's something missing in the publishing world and you don't know what to write, write that. Like, what? Got to see Gotta throw yourself out there. No, totally. You can rewrite Twilight a thousand times, but it doesn't change the fact that there um, is a very much a stereotype, and we can get into the you know romance writers of America and how that blew up in their oh. faces. Like yeah. seriously, twenty twenty. <laughs> dumpster fire. That is the Holy publishing world. Holy shit. Did you see? Like January comes in and it's like, I'm like, whoa. No, it's, uh, and honestly, uh, we, we heard about it and I think we had the same sentiment, which was about fucking time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's about damn time. And we feel that way. If you listen to our podcast, we have a publishing company we are done with the way publishing is being done right now to authors because it's it's not even just that. It's like any voice that doesn't fit into the box that they want to stuff it in is not a voice to them. And we're giving them all like loudspeakers and going, nope, you're going to talk because there's so much to give from um, how much uh, writing means to people. Like uh, almost every author we talk about pretty much, I think every author, I'm saying almost every author, that's about good. Every author we talk to has some 
book that impacted their life that made a difference. Probably multiple books, but something that caused them to do that. And I think as authors, even if we write very fun things, we want to make that difference. We want to go, you can have something better than what you have. You can accomplish something you want to accomplish. And if the voices are all just the same exact voice or only like three different versions of the voice, you can't, you're not going to have the same Yeah, or, you know, like I write fantasy per se. And so it's something that I follow a lot. And the thing is, there's a lot of fantasy set in like England, Europe kind of style. Maybe 100%. I love, I don't hate that, but you know, then you'll get what, what I hear from traditional publishing is they're like, okay, we'll take on one or two African inspired fantasies. You get the, the magic Negro author. For yeah, the yeah. And then they're going to be it's one, two, yeah, eight, like Asian inspired. And they're like, oh, we're di- reverse diverse. But it's like, why is it that you only have two of this, but you have 50 ones that are based off, you know, England medieval fantasy. And it's like, why is there a glass ceiling on diversity? It's like, yes, we allow diversity, but we're also going to put a ceiling on it. And it's like, why? Well, I feel like, and I'm going to be, I'm going to say something that's maybe not going to be loved because I do human resources for my day job right now. So that's what I, so this is a whole world that I've been in. And one of the things I hate is I feel like a lot of times, and this came up, I'm sorry to, to sideline this, there was a, there's a position in a lot of companies called a chief diversity officer. Mm. And their goal is to insist on diversity within the workplace and how to get inclusion and stuff. But there was a Wall Street Journal article that said the average length of time, and keep in mind average length of time a chief diversity officer lasts at a company is three years. Mm. And that is because they cannot make a difference. So they don't stay because they can't make a difference. Because I mean, that's what I did with the Department of Labor. I I fought um, discrimination and stuff down in Miami, which is a different level because Miami it's predominantly Cuban. Yes. So we were the only office in the Department of Labor that was fighting for white people. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Usually you're fighting for other races, but in Miami it's like. They're going to hire Cuban or black first. So like the white man was hardly was was the struggle. So that was a real weird situation. But what you're talking about now with diversity and the disparity of it in the non-inclusion, that's been my 10 year like, ugh, like. I, I, that's why I stopped with the, I'm, I'm also, I'm a hybrid author, right? You know, I have a book with um, Simon and Schuster. I have books with a lot of small presses. And then mainly I do self-publish because I've had publishers respond to me and say, you know what? If you just made this character white, I get that all the time. I was at a conference, RWA, um, my last year of RWA membership. Um, I was sitting with a bunch of agents and a couple editors from some publishers I love. And they were like, black people just don't read. That was one of the things they said. Yeah, RWA. Black people just don't read. And um, it's just not a market. The market is Midwest, white woman between 25 and 55. And that's just how it is. And it's just not marketable and we're not going to make any money and blah, blah, blah. And they were telling me, you really would have more money and be more successful 
if you wrote white characters? I think it's me. It's not the fact that no, they're not reading this forever because they can't see themselves in publishing. Like, don't get me wrong. We always like to read things that don't look like us. But if you never see anything of yourself, then you may not be inclined to go and search them out. No, totally. And I think what you were saying before, I think a lot of publishers put token people. And that's what I'm going to say. 100%. People to do, and that's what I meant on the diversity coming full circle on that is I've watched companies, not my company, companies that will choose people. And then every time you see a picture of the company or some workers at the company, it is the same two black people and the same yep. Asian person and the same three Hispanic people. Like they just go find them and they're like, okay, we're going to do another photo. Come on out. And I'm like, come on out over here. What's yeah. going on? It's true though. And it, it drives me crazy because also like, for instance, we represent a lot of LGBT. We do a lot of male oh on Oh my male. God. That's oh, a struggle okay. right there too. Yeah. And we have male writers that are writing male on male. Yep. And it's a huge difference because if you look up that particular genre, it is a bunch, and this is not bad, but it's a bunch of middle-aged white women writing male-on-male erotica. And I'm like, that's fine. You can be creative and I love you, but can we get some guys writing about having sex with other guys? Because yeah. this one's having sex with other guys. Well, they're the ones yeah. that will be like, hey, this is the way it is versus what we interpret things to be. You know, it's 100%. just like... Yeah, because it's always like the only time they really do diversity is when someone who's like, I'll say the example of the help, right? It blew up. But at the end of the day, the author was a white woman writing outside of her. Break it down. Preach, sister. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and that's not to say that people don't have the right. Like we should, anyone should always write about. Whatever they want to write about. Yeah. In all aspects, but yes. you have to also allow people who are of that experience write that experience. Yeah. And, 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 and that's one thing that I do want to push because I don't mind when, because I have a lot of um, white author friends who like, I have one friend, um, Milana Jack, she writes, sometimes she, she does alien romance, but she sometimes has like a black woman. And it and she's asked me certain things. Oh, is that? And she was really nervous, nervous. And I was like, "Don't be nervous. Go ahead and write it. We're very similar, black women and white men, women. We're very similar, especially in America. Like you know, it's not that many different things. But however, thank you for asking me about stuff. Thank you for wanting to make sure that you got it right. And and keep on going. I don't like when writers are limited. Like, don't limit me as a writer. I want to write all different types of stuff. And I think every other person should write different races, different cultures, because we're writers and creatives. Yes, but do your research. Do your freaking research. It's kind of like when a lot of not, and this is, again, I'm not stereotyping everybody before I get angry emails, um, is uh, males writing females, like Mm. guys writing from a quote-unquote female perspective. I have a friend that wrote a Victorian lesbian steampunk novel series and it's amazing and he encompassed it but that's because he talked to his wife an awful lot and made sure she read it and was it the right voice versus you know we were joking about this earlier this dame walks in and she's trying and they're trying to write it as if a girl wrote this thing and you're like 
No girl would ever say that. I don't care. <laughs> no girl would ever say that. Yeah, I actually had a, I took a creative writing class when I was still in college years back. And I wrote a character, from, a male character. And I actually had one of my, the male uh, guys in my critique group read it. Read, he's like, you know, your, your character is great, but certain things, the way he's describing it, isn't yeah. how a guy would describe it. And it wasn't anything controversial, you know, right. did I write something totally out of my wheelhouse? But it's as simple as describing an alcoholic drink. The wow. way I described it was more uh, what a female inclined. And are there females that would describe, uh, like a male would describe it that way? I'm sure. But if yeah. you're trying to be, you know, what's more common. Exactly. And you don't know unless you have someone else read it. You have to have people who are of that experience, gender or otherwise. Read this it. is good writing now. This is, this is being a responsibly good author. You're researching anything anything you're going to China you're not just gonna like wing it you need to research it <laughs> you know everything about the culture about the- you don't wing it <laughs> yeah you know it was Chinese writing on everywhere whatever let's get back to the Roman no you have to research that shit <laughs> oh my god I love that so much okay so you you put out these novels so let's talk a little bit about um publishing Right. Mm-hmm. So you started putting out, you said you have traditional um, small press, which is still mm-hmm. traditional, but just not the big five. Right. Yeah. And or four now. Four. Yeah. Because yeah. did McMullen eat penguin? One of those. Somebody so, ate someone, penguin. someone, somebody ate. a lot of eating going on. in the yeah. So now it's the big four. Um, and then um, you did self-publishing. Mm-hmm. Did, where did you start? Um, I started because that first book, Fire Baptized the Pyromancer, that was a book where in 2010, everybody was like, make her white. Like I had agents respond, like I saved all of those emails and stuff, but it was like agents were saying make her white, publishers were saying too much ethnic stuff going on. Another publisher was like, this is too urban. And I'm like, is it? Because it's an entire fantasy world. It's supernaturals inside of a cage city in Miami. However, the, the magic based system was Santeria because we're thinking Miami, right? Right. But still they were like, Oh, it's too urban. It's too black. It's the, the names are so African. And I'm like, these names are in the Bible. I got them from the Bible. What are y'all talking about? Oh my um, I gave up. I So I went self-published just being pissed. But like those first four or five years, remember being indie was kind of seen as a disgusting thing. Like, oh, you, yeah. you self-published? That's nasty. Your book is probably going to be with errors and you're not professional. You're just trying to make money. So I, I struggled with trying to get the agent and the publisher. And, and I did write a couple of books where it was like... Um, they would accept the mixed girl. Full oh. black, mm, mixed, we'll go with that. Okay. And then on the cover, of course, the girl, she looks like she's Puerto Rican or something like that. It's like, okay, this girl's not even a little bit black, whatever. And I gave up and went, you know, complete self-published. And I'm actually now happy that a lot of publishers aren't getting it, you know, getting smart enough to realize that black women read. Cause like I'm making like five figures a month now. What? No, that's awesome. That's, yeah. No, please don't publish any of that. Please keep it where y'all at. I'm good. 
No, totally. Well, I think that'll just add to your profitability as more gets out there because I think it's it's communicating to the right audience and finding your fans and finding how to communicate with your fan base that makes a big difference. Because, you know, we started our publishing journey this year. Like, we started in January as far as being a publisher. Because basically, wow. not the same journey as you, or even close. But we ran into, like, um, uh, the fact that we put our stuff out. Like, I have my um, erotica series. So, I write under two different pen names. But my erotica series is okay. not. Yes. It is not a romance. There is no romance in it. It is a, a very powerful girl taking back her like life. Oh, hold up now. What's the name of that now? <laughs> it, it's called My Home on Whore Island. My Home on Whore Island. Oh, that's the, I'm, I'm going to read that. Now that's some <laughs> shit I like. <laughs> so My Home on Whore Island, let's go. Yeah, I have this sequel coming out, but I wrote it and it's a comedic, it's comedic. But the one thing I, when I wrote the book, a lot of the, the guys that are in the book are not Adonises. That wasn't the point. A lot of them are very real people that you'd meet, right? And, you know, and I got a lot of feedback from people saying, one is you've got to make this so that the guys are more like the Adonis people that people want to see. And the other thing was that she is not, she was too strong of a female character. Uh, she knows where she's at she knows what she wants she's having one night stands that's what the book is about and fine. yeah but apparently it's not okay to do that it's not okay to have all these things in place and it's nowhere near the same journey that you've been to but I, I we just went um, me and Vanessa and my other partners went that's fucking it we are done we are going to start publishing we're going to bring the publishing apocalypse we're going to make it so writers can write we know how to market. We're going to get this stuff out there. And this. we want the books that nobody else is willing to go behind. We want the office that nobody's willing to go home behind and back them the hell up because these are the writers we love. And it's so dumb to have somebody tell you that names are too African. Are you out of your effing mind? That's not I'm the serious. Yeah. And, and, First of all, what I dislike about publishers and agents, which I don't, I kind of laugh now because they're struggling right now because so many creatives are going independent and owning their own stuff, starting their own publishing companies. We're in a revolution right now and everybody got to pick a side. Okay. And so stop acting like readers are stupid. Yes. Readers amen. are so First of all, readers read almost everything. Romance, erotic, all, they read all types of shit. And they love to be, to escape into a different character, different culture, different diverse group, different land, different... They like to escape. So why are we giving them, why would we want to give them the same fucking experience all the damn time? I agree. A thousand percent. I agree. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay, we're actually 30 minutes. We have to take a quick break and we will be right back with Drinking With Authors. Awesome. <laughs> this is the voice of Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? 
or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of that would have to stump us but you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on twitter instagram or facebook you can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts we would absolutely love to hear from you Awesome. Okay. Okay. Wait. So we're back. Woo, we're back. Uh, who knows? Producer is going to say we're back at any point. Okay. So we were talking about the um, traditional publishing stuff. Let's talk a little bit about your how um, your writing methodology. So we we like to go over. Are you a, a pantser? Are you a plotter? Are you a palancer? Like how talk talk to us about coming up with your brilliant ideas and then making them happen. Okay. <laughs> so, no pressure. We want the entire way you do it, step by step. We're right <laughs> this down. None of that's happening. None of that's happening. <laughs> and just listen. <laughs> My biggest thing. So you know, you ever look at one of those movies or TV shows where they're they're trying to track down a mafia group, and they have a board, and it's all these faces, and then like the red lines going to all of that oh, shit. Yeah. That's what I do. I do all of that shit in the beginning. I'm like pansing, I guess. No, no, no. Plotting Mm -hmm. and outlining everything. And then when I start writing, I just never follow the damn thing. Like, I don't know what that shit was about. And I don't know how to not do that. Like, every time I do two weeks of just, oh, again, index cards and all that. And I have my charts. I'm like, this time I'm following the charts. And then I just do whatever the fuck I want to do. So I, I love all of the process. You're what you're doing is working. I'm a pantser. I'm like 1000% a pantser. I will write down like one word things to kind of remember some of the stuff that I need to put wow. some places. I cannot do the outline thing. I get bored. I get annoyed. And not because my characters, like I already always know where I'm going. I always know what the end of the story is. That's mm-hmm. going to happen. But I absolutely can just cannot do that. I, I feel like I'm a writer that thinks in scenes because I've done a lot of writing of plays and screenplays. So I think Ooh. in scenes. Wow. And I can't I can't do it the I other way. Screenplay writing is, is difficult. I think screenwriting is difficult. It, it, it is because it's it's different than tell me it's show me. So you 100%. have to. Yeah, you're what you're really putting on as for a screenplay is dialogue and scene Every description. Dialogue. Yeah, but you you can't do the like scene description we want to do is you kind of when you were talking about your original manuscript, it made me think uh, of the planes of passage, because that was from the Clan of the Cave Bear series. And that book I had to like I use it to hold up my desk. That thing was so <laughs> and all it was was describing the grass and the tree leaves and yes. where it's from. And I'm like can uh can let me skip to someone get to the story yeah it's so bad and um so i don't even know where i was going with that i was going somewhere oh yeah Yeah. planting so i do understand i think you should keep doing what you're doing though because it's successful so what you should do is take pictures of these boards so that all of your fans can be like oh my god and the book just goes left and you're like i'm over here yeah. I mean, because I have like I, I have a Russian mafia series that's called The Lion and the Mouse. And it was only supposed to be one book, and now I'm like writing book six now. Oh wow. And then, 
I have another series that it's mafia set in Paris, so it's the Corsican, but they're the enemies of the Russian mafia series. So there's a timeline and all of this stuff that goes with it. And my Russian character, Kazmir, is so ridiculous that like I write, I was writing it last week and like he kills everyone. And I'm like, wait a minute. So now, oh, that's going to change everything because he just <laughs> got crazy and killed people. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> you know how you, you got to stay true to your character. So that's why pansing to me, I get why you pans, because if you stay true to your character, plotting is pretty hard. It's, you know, and you don't want to stick to that plot that you've written out if you want to stay true to characters, especially a character that's kind of like unpredictable. Oh, I, I agree. And I think, you know, we talked to, it's interesting though, because we had Jeff Strand on here and he, he came up, how he writes was like, it blew my mind. Like I love him in person. He is one of the most funny people you will ever meet, but he does, he's not like jovial like we are. He's mm-hmm. very like, I want to say straight man, funny, but, okay. he up. but he is, and I called him this, I called him a method writer because he gets his idea very creative. He's a horror writer, but he literally just sits down. He's not driven by characters. He just goes through the whole, he doesn't write a whole thing out. Wow. He just goes through it and knows exactly where he's going, how many words he wants to get to like very methodical. And I'm like, I, he's the only one I've talked to that's like this, that I has this trait. And then I have so many other people that are like, my character went this direction. <laughs> I can't go full pantsing because I have like ADD. So if I don't have like a somewhat of a, like kind of like something guiding me, like a guiding light, yeah, yeah. we'll start getting like, can't think straight. I can't know how to approach the story. So me, I always am floored by people who do like full blown outlines that are like 25 pages or anyone who does like a full. So my, I kind of do a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Like I like to have like some plot points, maybe something a little bit more thorough than what you guys would do. Yeah. Like a structure. Yeah. But still have wiggle room for that surprise because I get bored easily as well. So I think that's, it's, it's interesting how everyone's so different, but I yeah, think also yeah. you should never feel bad about your process because if 100%. your process works, stick with it. Who cares what anyone else does? Yes. Because writers are insecure enough and battle with shit enough. And, you know, the more that you can get a lot of stuff of what I need to be as a writer, what I must do as a writer, how fast I should write, what I should write you know, what the character should, the more you can get that out, the best the writing becomes, you know, if you just not give a fuck at all, that's like the book right there. That's a, the best selling book right there. So, you oh, know, I, I agree. And, you know, we were talking about this today, Vanessa, I'm going to uh, call her out now because <laughs> I've had enough drinks. I can call her out. Whatever. Okay. So, um, because Vanessa has the problem of being a perfectionist. Yes. And so I'm, I keep going, let it go, let it go. Just like, you know, <laughs> we're both you because you can also, you're never going to get that damn thing perfect. I don't care. You're never going to get it perfect, no matter what you do. Just get good work out there and then do another piece of good work. Because every time, like, I've gone back, because I'm writing the sequel finally, which took me forever for my home on Horror Island, and I went back and I, I reread it, and there's a person doing the audiobook for me, and I'm listening to it, and there's stuff that I'm like, 
what the hell was I thinking? Why did I do that? And I go, no, it's fine. I'm going to write the next book. Just make a note. Don't ever do this in the next book. Right. Right. And so I'm like, you got to let it go and you have to experience it. And you know what? You're going to look back in 10 years and go, Oh, I use the word they too much in this book. <laughs> well, well, that's crazy because I'm on, I'm writing, you know, novel 51 and I'm sitting there like, oh, is this going to be good? Is this good enough? Is it like it, to me, that feeling sometimes never really goes away. You would think by now I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And I'm going to do this and that. But I'm still like, oh, I don't know if I'm, oh, I got to go through this. Oh, no. You know what? Forget it. I'm just going to go take a walk because I just don't know what I'm doing right now. This is going to suck. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of authors battle with that. And I don't think it gets easier. I think you just have to instill a lot of shit that calms you down and gets you back in the head. Cause it's going to be a good. I agree. Well, we're, we're artists. It's, yeah. it's the same as putting a painting out there or a sculpture out there. And the fact of the matter is, guess what? Some people are going to like your stuff. Some people are going to hate your stuff. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to think it's, meh, it's okay. Give or take. It doesn't matter. Your audience will find it and your audience will love it. And obviously you have an audience that loves what you do for what I love them with. so much. I, I, you know what? These women are amazing. Um, different races, you know, a large part are black females, but then I will like one time, I think it was no April of 2020. I was like, cause I got a reader's group called K killers. Right. And so in the cake, she's got a gang of murderers. That's what she got. Cake killers represent. To, shout out to all the cake killers listening right now. <laughs> but I did. I remember doing just. It was April, and you know, April was kind of rough because oh. it's like, oh shit, it's a pandemic, so we got to take this serious, and all these different states are on lockdown and all this. So I remember asking, just doing a post saying, "Hey, how is everyone? Are y'all okay? Where are y'all at? What's going on?" And it was people from like all over, like there was somebody in South Africa, there was somebody in Italy, somebody in Japan, like it was a girl in Norway, white woman in Norway, like, oh, I'm doing it. I was like, oh my God, where are all these people coming from? (laughs) I thought that most of my people were like Atlanta and New York or some shit like that. (laughs) All over the world, all over the US, they all had one woman, um, is a wife of a truck driver and she reads while she's riding with him and their truck driving throughout the year. Right. Then there was some doctors, there were some EMT people, there were teachers. And to me, it was just like, Holy shit. Like there was some military people. And it's like, you just don't know who you're touching with the book that you're worried about, you know? So I get the perfectionism, you know, I get wanting it to be perfect, but then also understanding that, you know, our readers are really forgiving and loving and super open-minded. I'm staring at this right now. Hope everyone can feel that through the podcast. Get your shit together. Get it done. Damn it. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, you talked a little bit about um, a little insecurity in your writing a little bit. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what are you, what do you think you're incredibly good at as a writer? Whoa. Besides opening that bottle of rum, which was amazing to watch that process. <laughs> I was like, let me get, where's my ice? I got all these cups of ice or whatever. I'll just pour a little water in here. 
<laughs> I don't want to start stripping or anything like that. I want it to be somewhat respectable up here. But anyway, um, <laughs> what am I good at, you said? Yeah, what, are, what do you consider that you're really good at as a writer? What are you really proud of? Wow. You know, I would say I am proud of creating an experience. Like I walk in wanting to create experience. Like I travel a whole lot and me and the kids, we used to travel like every month we would go to a new state or a new uh, a country or something like every month. Right. Um, Cause I homeschool my kids. So that ended up convenient. Didn't that, <laughs> yeah. Did that work out? <laughs> So, like, when I was in Thailand, I'm writing about, you know, I want to capture that. I want to take all that. When I go to Paris, I want to take it all and I want to put it in a book. I want the reader to, like, be in that country, experience tasting the food, feeling the music, feeling the, just, like, they're really in there. I want them kind of like a, an emotional response, some sort of chemical response in the brain and stuff. So I think I'm good at creating an experience where, you know, if that's a thing, I think most writers are like, yeah, duh. <laughs> that's what we do. I, I actually don't think that's the case because I think writers can do that. But there are some, like I learned this lesson myself, very luckily, very early on in my writing. So I wrote a short story based in Boston Ooh. and I was talking about this person and they drove their car and blah, blah, blah. And I had a friend luckily that read it before it got published and went, um, Schnookums, they don't do that in Boston. Like <laughs> in Boston, you would take, they have public, cause we're in Florida and you know, in Florida, the public transit is a joke, right? <laughs> yeah. It's total garbage, but they're like, they would take public, where are they located? And I said the part of the city, they're like, no. They would be taking the train, like yeah, that, yeah. that would be the thing. You wouldn't be driving a car, you wouldn't have a car. There's nowhere to park the car in that area. And I was like, oh, and it caused me because it wasn't a huge monumental thing in the story. Like the fact that they drove to work was the line that got me in trouble, right? But it caused me to go, if you're gonna write, this is back to that other thing we we're talking about. Look at I just came full circle. <laughs> Know what you're writing about because, yeah. for instance, if you have a fan and your fans, I don't want to say a fan, you probably have many fans in Italy, for instance, um, they're going to know when you write something about Italy, they're going to go, what the fuck did she just say? Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> yeah. I made a major boo-boo, though, in my first book um, for, for my French Mafia series. It was uh, Rhapsody. And he kept saying, I can't think of the word now, but he kept calling her beautiful. But the way he was saying beautiful was how you would call it a male. So it was like saying beautiful, like he was saying it in French. So he was calling a female like a male form of beautiful. Like handsome. Oh, yeah. Like so that, that's like, oh, my God, because it, it hurts you deep in your soul when you make mistakes, you know, like exactly. that. Um, and, you know, and it pulls the reader out. Anybody who knows French, it pulls them out. Like, what? No. That, every time the guy, and he said it a lot, every time he says that, <laughs> they're like, oh, what the, the fuck is wrong with her? <laughs> but it's true, and it's pulling readers out of the story. So what do you what do you think is your biggest um, thing you have to get over or your, your little Achilles heel as a writer? 
Oh, man. My biggest Achilles heel is that I can start a series and put a huge amount of time and energy and research into a series. And then I'll be like, mm, I don't want to write that anymore. I'm going to write this new series. And I'm going to write that. That has been my biggest problem in my 10 years. Not finishing. Like, that's what I'm doing now. In these past three years, I've been finishing out the series. But, like, my biggest problem in my 10 years is starting a series and not, you know, finishing it. And so, you know, waiting or moving on or getting that whole author um, ADD, like, you know, where, oh, I want to write this. Now I want to write that. Why well, would I write that? And so I know um, everybody who's listening, who, who follows me, they're like, yes, girl, because we still waiting on this book or this book. <laughs> Where the fuck is that book at? You know? So um, that is my biggest battle. And it it's kind of like a cloud hanging over me sometimes. Certain books that I need to put out, it's a cloud that I walk with. So I think even when I tell new writers, I always tell them, listen, if you're going to write a series, just write that goddamn series, put it out. Don't switch to something else because you may not come back to it. Just yeah. I, I hear, well, I hear a lot of authors, they'll keep a file. And they're like, it's okay to sit there for like maybe a couple minutes and type out a bunch of stuff. Just get it, get like the the kernel of it down. Yes. You have to get move away from it because if you allow it to live and breathe, then you forget about this other bit, and that's a yeah. struggle. No, well, it leads me to a question. So there's an author that probably I love her, and I'm trying to talk um, Jonathan Mayberry into getting her on my podcast, Earl um, <laughs> K. Hamilton. She might not, though. She actually listens to it because I've talked about her a few times. And say, say it again. What's the name? K. Hamilton. She writes oh, yeah. a brief series. Oh, yes. oh my god, I love her. I do, but um, one of her books, uh, and I have it here because I got her to autograph that pa- uh, paragraph uh, chapter, which was um, uh, skin trade. She has a chapter where she says the word wound uh, thirteen times in two paragraphs. <laughs> chapter fifteen. In case anybody's paying attention, you can look it up. I made her sign that page, by the way. She doesn't know why, but I did. So boss. So boss. Okay. But one of the things about this series, like the first, I want to say like four or five, I absolutely loved the Anita. And there was a lot of mystery and whatever. And it's not bad, but it's turned very much into the polygamous relationship. Like that whole thing. erotica. Yeah. Taken over this thing that used to be somewhat like of a horror paranormal series because in the first couple of books Anita the main character wasn't with anybody really because Anita Blake was like she she wasn't a virgin but she wasn't well was she a virgin the first I think she was a virgin yeah she was pretty virginal that first book like we're talking really chill and then like you said second that we got um what was the, the guy's name I know Richard is the the uh shifter who, yeah. who was a vampire is oh it John God. Whatever. Uh, yeah. I don't want to say Lestat. And I know that's wrong, but it's the vodka going. Lestat is the vampire, Erica. Duh. Um, from, from my other favorite girl. Um, because I love Lestat. I like vampires, by the way. So yeah. But LKH, I mean, come on. I freaking loved LKH. I bought all the books in her series. I think 
The last book I read was when it was like she's going with the twins. They're flying in the air, and then they start like fucking in the air and shit. And I was like, "Listen, this is just too much. Like, can we get? I want a little more story. I just need a little bit more story." Exactly, but that's my point. Like, we're on book thirty of this series, right? Oh my gosh! And and obviously she keeps selling and stuff like that. But my when I look at the series, you have fans that want to read the series and I'm sure you have fans on some of your series you might have even brought to a conclusion that are like no I want the next one the next one yes how do you how do you deal with that because like she keeps going and I I kind of want to go okay could we go back to this one which I think was the butterfly one where it, where they were in New Mexico in the whole situation and I oh, go oh man cuz she can write a mystery yes she can't kind of left that like LKH. I mean, that, that was my girl. She could write a mystery and you read, read one of her books, like her, like LK, I call my, I say my H's cause it was like, uh, LKH, uh, Charlene Harris. Yes. But who I saw doing an RWK, um, conference and I like almost molested her in the elevator. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm in an elevator, and no, I'm like, I'm back you up on not getting arrested by molesting authors. Good to know that. I was like, it's cold in here. She was like, yeah, it's, it is cold in here. Isn't that crazy? And I was like, oh, you look so familiar. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm Charlie Harris. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like hugging her. I love you so much. I, I was like, oh, wait, I'm so sorry that I'm all on you touching your body. But <laughs> a day later, she comes up to me in another thing and she says, let's do a selfie together. And I was like, oh, good. I thought she was getting a restraining order on me. I'm so glad. <laughs> but like, you know, and then um, the other chick, which, uh, damn, Kim Harrison, my H's, my H girls, like they yeah. can all write. But LKH, I just wish she would do a new series. That's my point is there is a point where you as an author have to go, this is done. I know it's, you know, fans and blah, blah, blah. This is done. I We're need good. to get to a conclusion because I feel like kind of to your point, when you lose interest in what you said, Vanessa, when you lose interest in that being really the storyline in those characters, and you're kind of going off in another direction, you got to go, here's the bow. I'm going to wrap it up. I know you guys want me to write this, but at least at this time, I'm not prepared to be in this world anymore. And I need to go another world because otherwise you get this situation with books. Yes. Where, where I feel like I, 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 I play poker too. I feel like I, there's a term pot committed. I've already been a part of it. I'm going to keep going, but I do read the books and every single time I'm like, this sucks. Cause I feel like I'm less and less of the actual story. I want to read. Come on. Like she's, and, and that's what bothered me about, cause I finally stopped reading, but she definitely, I, I, I definitely think it was like 20 something when I stopped, oh, yeah. she got a good bit of money, but it was like, girlfriend, can we get some sort of plot line? Like, do we have to just sex, sex, sex? Like I get it. I get it. Yeah. Like, we, look, we you put some story in there. Yeah, we get you're a superhero now. You have every kind of lycanthropy or every kind of vampire. Hello. Literally nothing can touch you. And you're dating 47 people. Thank you for keeping that straight. Lord Jesus, is that how much it is now? 47? I don't even know. She, she mentions it and I'm like, I, I actually found myself in the last couple of books literally skipping through the, the that whole part. So I'm like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. Can we get back to the plot? Okay, I got a question. I hope I don't spoil it for LKH people, but 
Did she at least ever get back with Richard? Because I used to feel bad for Richard. No. Oh, okay. No, no. Richard, Richard was like, I ain't dealing with this shit. This is some bullshit. <laughs> she has sex with him every now and then, but it's not a relationship because she's married to Micah and... Oh, I like Micah. Jean-Claude? Is it, I think it's Jean-Claude. That's it. Jean-Claude. That's it. Yes. yes. Yeah. She's married to uh, Micah, Jean-Claude, and the one other um, shifter guy. So it's the leopard, the other... Oh, I remember. Yeah. And anyway, it's too much to keep track of. It's way too much. Yeah. Okay, Vanessa, you're going to ask something. Oh, else. yeah, no. It kind of reminds me of, like, J.R. Ward, like, Black Dagger Brother. Oh, uh, yes. That's another one I, I mess well, with. But I kept finding that I still favored the original, like, six books or however many. I remember oh. at one point I started to, like, lose it. And it's not that the books were horrible, but I feel like you kind of lost what you were kind of promised in the beginning. Because wow. at one point you were following, like, a certain group of characters and then it just became way too many. It was kind of like true blood, the TV series yep. where towards the end, I was like, okay, well we have way too many things going on at one time that I feel I'm not investing in any oh, one yeah. thing. Are you talking about the billet season? I, I don't even want to like towards the end. It's just like, you know what? We just need to let this end. Let it and go. Let, let it go. go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what, though? You're, you're right. Maybe. And this is a question I've had. When do you stop a series? I mean, I think this six? is it six. I, is it seven? Well, I think it's not that. I think that you need to do justice on the main characters. You can have a continuation of a saga. A lot of times romance writers do this. So they'll have the two people that are initially together and they'll have their two people who are on the the close to them, but on the outskirts, that then become the next book, right? I love it when authors do that. So you still yeah. have these characters you're kind of familiar with, but they become the background characters as you move forward. I That's think what Nalina, Nalina Singh did with the Angel series. I kind of like that. Yeah. With, with Exactly. And Cassandra Blake actually ended up doing this with the um, uh, Shadowhunters, mm-hmm. right? Okay, that's right. I think it was four or five books with Clarice and Jace, right? Whatever Mm -hmm. it was. But then she went and they're still in the thing, but she's now focused on these other characters. And I think that's how you do justice to a series is you don't have to get rid of the world. You don't have to do that. But what is the character's logical where they're going? Like this is what I see for the characters. And when they get to this point, that that storyline is done. So I'm going to, and that's why I think when people do the chronicles and they do stuff like that, so they're, they're not just like the, the Erica and Vanessa show. And then you can't go off the Erica and Vanessa show. Cause that's how you've done it versus going the Erica, you know, this is the, the crumbling orange cup chronicles. And then it gets to the end of Erica and Vanessa story. And then you move into the Kenya and Erica story mm-hmm. and you go down that plot where there's still in the world. I think that does it justice, but allows you to change it. So you don't have to keep the same characters, the same magic, the same whatever. You can go, now we're taking it from this werewolf and um, human story, and we're going to do a vampire and human, but it's it kind of veers. And I think that would help authors. That's my opinion. I think that's a smart idea. I mean, I think, um, like, right now I'm working on... Um, a paranormal series, and then next year I have a spy series. But what I'm going to do is I'm kind of, because I usually don't do this, just standalone 
series. We're same world, but all standalones. I'm going to play with that to see how that goes, because that keeps my attention yeah. more than the same, same couple. You just drop whoever you're going to have in book two. You just drop them. Not even interacting for most. You could have them there for two and a half seconds in the book. They it pick up out. the phone from Isabel and go off. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter, but you've, you've introduced them so that the next one, you've kept the continuity to it. Right. I think what fails is when people, like, especially things that become super successful, yeah. You know, and then they're like, okay, well, we're making a lot of money, so we're just gonna suck this dry until <laughs> everything out. And I think that's when you start to, at least for me, like, like, like again, I'll come back to True Blood. To me, by the end of it, I was like, I'm done. It's like Walking Dead. I stopped when Negan came into the picture because I oh, felt like wow. every season was the same kind of thing we're fighting against white walkers we think we're safe and then this person comes out and they have no moral compass it kept becoming like the same repetitive thing oh and over yeah and to me like the most amazing show that became was originally was advertised as a series and then became a limited series was the watchmen on oh my god girl listen the way that show ended i wanted more but then now I think about it, I don't want anymore. I want it to leave and just where it's at because it was just, to me, perfect storytelling. Beautiful. Perfect. I and, feel and, like- and meta story, too. It was like stories inside of the big story. Inside, it, it was yeah. perfect. Yeah. I think they should do more of, and we're going to have to wrap up here in just a little bit, but I would love to see them do more of like they did with Altered Carbon and stuff like that. Or oh. that's a good one. American Horror Story is another good one. I love American Horror Story. For yeah. a season, again, that's sort of the thing. So all those were entwined, and some of the characters came back into the situation. Beautiful, but yeah. This much of a story that was digestible, that's good, and then you move on. Because I think all of us have had series, and that's not the only one. The Nita Blake one just happens to be a grossly long situation. Um, which she had, but I actually felt the same way about Anne Rice. Is she, you know, I loved Interview with a Vampire. I thought it was just oh yeah, but then Lestat like doesn't he go to hell? Yeah, and fight and then, Satan and, inside. It got crazy. Where the hell did we just go? We're like yeah, you know, like you, you like, follow and and you can go with with the Vampire Chronicles for maybe six seven books, and then after a while it just gets fucking crazy. Exactly, yeah. and so. I always think it's also good for authors to have people around them to go like, like the, on your arm, sweetie, just slow down now. We're just going to, we're just going to, let's, we're good. We're good. Let's, let's tie this shit up with a bow. We're good. And of course, I mean, if it's something that you can keep going and you're passionate about and you love and you're invested, but yeah. as long as you're doing that, I think it's great. It's just, there definitely is a point. Okay. So anyway, well, maybe you could, we could talk for hours. I, know, I can this talk all day. Amazing. I, I don't get to talk to people much anymore, but not, not people over 18. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I'm talking to adults and I'm drinking. Um, so let's talk about what's coming up next for you. What is the next book you're publishing? Oh, so second mystery code word because I just remember. Yeah, I'm back, so. Oh yeah, we love we we've been we've been drinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> second mystery. Let me do a slash so I can run because I got a little paper. Is death death D E A T H death. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So, um, you know, I don't know if y'all know, but we're in a pandemic right now. <laughs> I was wondering what was happening very weird outside. <laughs> Had no idea, right? And then there's an election. Oh my God, that's been fun. I'm not going to talk about that. Oh. But it's, it's an election. And then there's some other stuff, riots and things. So like, I just needed a minute <laughs> to leave contemporary world. And so I was writing um, this, I was writing my Russian and Mafia book, 5.5 Misha and Ava um, book. And I was like, you know what? I just need to write a shapeshifter. I need like men like shaping into wolves right now. I need some vampires and shit. Like I just need to completely escape from the fucking world and just, you know, just all types of sparkling and all types of shit. Blood, sex, fighting with witches and shit. And so that's what I'm working on now. I'm working on um, a series that deals, it's just three standalone books, Shapeshifter, A Witch, and Vampire for each book. Um, and just kind of a twist on the origin of how they became and all that. And I want to provide, because each book is going to have tons of um, illustrations in it. It's going to be a coloring book that goes with the series. Ooh. So, And I've not told anyone this. This is a secret. So my readers are gonna be like, what the fuck? What? That's what <laughs> I thought she was working on Lion and Mouse. And you're learning everything. Oh. <laughs> it's sitting there like, what? I thought she was doing that. That's a great idea with the pandemic. Coloring book with your erotica? I mean, whew. It's, it's funny because fun. I, I just had a meeting with my artist who's in Russia. Um, and... He, I was explaining, because every time we do this, he's like always blushing in the video chat. He's like, whoa, this is a guy. So this time I said, what I want now, I want a standing up 69. And he's just like, he's <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay. Like every book I push it further. He's like, so what do you mean? I said, hold up, let me get some screenshots of some pornos. I'm like pulling them up. He's just like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna do that now. You're gonna, okay. He's like, can you use a stick figure on a piece of paper? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, no, let me see the visual. So you know, I want the guy. He's standing up because he's a vampire and he's strong. And the girl is upside down. And she's doing her thing. He's doing his his thing. And he's like, okay, I, I, I got that. That's, and I said, that's image one. Let's go to image <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, yo. I, hold on. I got to write this down because I need to buy this. I know. I'm like, damn. When it comes out. <laughs> um, color, I'm, I'm writing this down. Color book. I'm going to get copies for everybody at my company. It's going to happen. Oh, I just like, what is this? This is going to be for the coloring book. I was like, yeah, that's the coloring book. He's like, okay. <laughs> I love Let's it. have fun. We, we need our, you know, women, we need a break. We're all just amazing. A lot of us are mothers, daughters, nieces, aunts, all of the grandmothers. We need a freaking break, break, sorry, break, because we heal the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I agree. I agree. And it's brilliant. Okay. So as we wrap up the first part of our podcasting experience, we need some shameless self-promotion. How do people find you? All right. Um, my website is Kenya, right. Books.com. 
I'm also on Facebook, Can You Write? But also I have a readers group and we have a lot of fun. It's called K-Killers. I do writing contests where the readers can do their own writing contests and I give them Amazon gift cards. I also ask for beta readers in the group. Um, I do a lot of giveaways each week to just keep everybody busy and not depressed. And um, also... I can't remember because I've been drinking. That's about it right now. <laughs> oh, oh, can you write books on Instagram and can you write books on Twitter? I'm not as big on Twitter. I usually retweet a lot of crazy shit because I think Twitter is just such a crazy world. Oh, um, Instagram, I keep it chill there. Facebook, if you just want to see a bunch of ridiculous shit, it's my Facebook profile, can you write? That's when I'm kind of weird. K-Killers, K though, is when I get into it and have a lot of fun. Okay. And then, again, for everybody listening, because I remember this right now. This is how my brain works. Uh, <laughs> there is a giveaway for an amazing martini set, and you will get it. We did the first two words in this podcast. The next word is going to be in the literary briefs. Mm-hmm. If you sign up for the newsletter that yep. you get double the entries in this because obviously I would, I, I don't know how you cannot follow this woman in what she's color book with a stand up 69. That alone Let's should get you to sign up for everything that she's talking <laughs> Basically take all of my money. Yes. Take all the money. <laughs> take the money. So you have been a magical, wonderful guest. Thank you so much for being with us. This is a dope ass podcast. Like I told you before we started recording, I've listened to about seven different podcasts this week and every one of them was fucking enjoyable. I was walking and working out, listening to them. So I'm basically going to be promoting, talking about your podcast. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm 10 years into writing and I was learning shit. You know, I, and thank you. And that's part of the reason I love doing this is because we all need help. We all need little inspirational stories. It's so great sometimes because you, you find yourself doing something and then somebody goes, Oh, Hey, you could do it this way. And you go, I didn't know if I could think of that, but then you can go do it that way. But but a many writing podcasts, cause I told you I was looking for a podcast to listen to many writing podcasts are stiff. They're very markety. They're very boring, you know? <laughs> They're trying to be straight-laced, and this one is just fun. It's open. Like, I'm an edgy, don't-give-a-fuck type of girl. I need that type of entertainment. So that's why I was like, oh, shit. Like, I was stalking him. I remember the fourth podcast. I was like, man, I wish I could be on it. And I was like, oh, wait, I am on it. <laughs> I am going to be on it. But I, it was like by the fourth, and I was like, damn, I wish I could be a part of this. And it was like, oh, wait, I, that's why I'm listening, because I'm going to, I'm, you know, preparing myself. Well, anyway, you, yeah, so I'm a fan. You're like, I'm having, wait, wait, I'm actually on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you have been amazing. Thank you so much. This has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. And I'm Vanessa Valiente. And we will see you next time. <laughs>